Hi, welcome to the Inspire Church podcast. Thank you for tuning in. But before you listen to the message, we want to celebrate that we have met our match. We were granted a matching grant, and in a month and a half, we made it. So thank you, friends and family, for your generosity. We are eternally grateful. I, growing up, had the opportunity to uh, grow up with my great-grandmother until I was a young adult. And uh, I've shared this before about my great-grandmother. Love her. Uh, She was an awesome person. She uh, grew up in uh, definitely the Pentecostal holiness movement. And so she had, you know, a long dress down to here, big bun up here, and anything else was considered unholy. And so jewelry and makeup and everything else was unholy, and, and, she, would, and she, was, she was proud of her bun. I think there was a little bit of pride there, praise God. And she was proud of it. She was proud of how big she could make that thing, like a satellite dish. And she probably had about 300 pounds of bobby pins in it. And uh, sometimes I felt like in church, sitting next to her, I could pick up like, you know, uh, sort of like truck driver radio stations or something, you know. And all of a sudden, you'd be hearing like, you know, this is big, proper eagle. And you'd be like, Lord, you know. And she's just that type of person, and I loved her so much. I remember, I remember at her funeral and her laying there in the casket, and there she was in her favorite dress, and I thought, I wonder what she'd do if I'd put some pants on her right now. So that way, <laughs> when the Lord came back and raised her from the dead, she'd be like, what in the world? But my grandma used to say something, and I'm sure she didn't make, I'm sure she wasn't the one that originated this, and, uh, uh, but, because I've heard other people say it too, but she used to say this all the time, that doesn't, the devil doesn't care how many days you live as long as you don't live in the days you have. The devil doesn't care how many days you live as long as you don't live in the days that you have. You know, one of the uh, saddest Uh, most devastating, most tragic things in life is to have no purpose, no meaning, no significance, no vision, no mission, just to exist, but not to live. Just to exist, but not to live. And so one of the most tragic situations is when a person is not living on mission. And so we launched a series a few weeks ago called Gifted. Gifted. And since then, we've really been saying that every single believer has been given a gift, probably more, more than just one. But every single believer is gifted, and every gift is the Holy Spirit putting Himself on display for the church. And so the question is not, are we gifted, but rather, do you know your gifts? And then I'm going to even add one more to that. And are you utilizing them? Right? Because it's not just enough to identify them and then just sit on the sidelines. But God is not calling you to be a spectator, my friend, but be a participator as a preacher used to say. And since these gifts of the Spirit are unearned expressions of grace, we should use them um, in, in, in service and not in ourselves. You see what I'm saying? We should use them um, to serve Christ and his body and his kingdom and his gospel and his glory. If not, then we abuse them for ourselves. And so today I'm actually covering the next set of spiritual gifts And that's this. Get ready. And everybody's going to be excited and run around. And they're going to break a heel. And eyelashes are going to fall out. (laughs) 
the, ne- the, one, the two gifts I'm covering, praise God, <laughs> is service and administration. Service and administration. Amen. Right before Paul gives us one of the lists of spiritual gifts we can find in Scripture, but before he does that, it's particularly in Romans. In Romans chapter 12, Paul makes this statement. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so it begs the question, what does it mean to live a Christian life? And what does it mean to live as a living sacrifice? And what it means is this, is that you put the death to death, the right to live as you choose. It means you put to death the right to live as you choose. You put to death the idea that you belong solely to yourself, that you are somehow not connected to a community, that you are somehow not connected to one another, and most importantly, that somehow you are not connected to God. No, no, no. You need to put that to death because you are very much connected, you see. You put to death the idea that you know what's best and what should happen to your life. You put it to death and you give it to God, you see. This is what it means. This is what it means. It means this, that it's a type of sacrifice that leads to life. A type of sacrifice that leads to life. You see? Not just to existence, but to live. And there's a difference. There's a difference. God didn't call us just to exist, you see. See, the reality is all of us are going to exist in eternity. All of us will experience eternal existence. But all hell will be is just existence, but not life, you see. And so with that in mind, as we are covering the gifts of administration and service, I want us to have that in the back of our of our thoughts that God is wanting you not just to exist, but to live and to live on mission. I'm going to pray in a minute. Don't worry. I didn't get unsaved. Didn't lost the salvation. Just hold on. How many of you guys have seen the movie Hidden Figures? Hidden Figures. Yeah. So on February 20th in 1962, a man named John Glenn became the first astronaut to orbit the earth. This was a stunning achievement, and it restored the nation's confidence back into NASA, and it turned the space, the space race around, and it really rallied the world, and everybody knew of NASA's great achievements. But what this movie does is it brings out hidden heroes of people that not everybody knew, which was this reality. What was behind this great achievement were three brilliant African-American women that worked for NASA. Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vagan, and Mary Jackson. They served as the brains behind one of the greatest achievements in history. All three of them displayed gifts that for a long time were hidden. They were unsung. And they were unseen by the majority of people, and yet whose impact is far-reaching and difference-making. 
Today's gifts are exactly that. And so today I just want to talk to you about two things. One, the administrative leader, and second, the helpful server. The administrative leader, and second, the helpful server. Now let me just tell you something. When I was doing the research for this sermon, I found myself stunned and perplexed and really disheartened. See, because when it came to all of the other spiritual gifts, ones that seemed to be able to be platformed, ones that seemed to be able to be popular and seen and public, there was an overwhelming plethora of resources, articles, podcasts, sermon series, books, commentaries on those gifts deemed as the power gifts, things like prophecy and tongues and healing and preaching and teaching and so forth. While the gifts like of administration and serving, it's interesting because I had to really look uh, outside of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, of, the, of the resources for the gifts of the Spirit to see and to be able to mine. Because either they were not included or they were barely touched on. Unlike these other gifts where you could find robust, challenging, and even thought-provoking material in administration and service, it was anemic at best. No wonder pastors want to pass on this topic. No wonder when you look up this topic of the gifts of the Spirit on other churches, you'll see things like prophecy and healing in tongues and everything else, but you won't see administration or service. They only stick with what they consider fascinating, provocative to talk about, controversial, or demonstrative. And so the church has done a great disservice. And then the church wonders why people either feel forced to conjure up these other gifts that they were not really called to do, or they just assume that God doesn't want to use me. Because what I bring to the body is less important, less valued, less celebrated. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, one of the anchor texts for this series, Paul uses the human body as an illustration to point out that each member of the body is important. And that just as there is a divine design to the human body, there is a divine design to Christ's body, the church. And he goes on to say that the hand should not compare itself to the foot or the ear to the eye, that one should not look down at the other, that one should not make another insignificant. And here's why, because every time you devalue the gift, you devalue the gift giver. Every time you devalue the gift that God has given to you, that the Holy Spirit has given to you, every time you devalue that gift, you devalue the giver of that gift, you see. So when, so then all of a sudden this less than narratives turns into a less than identity because we feel like maybe there are others that are more anointed and appointed for such a time as this. But if there's anything you get out of today's message, tap somebody and say, listen up, pay attention. If there's anything you get, if you miss it all, I want you to get this. God has a plan and you have a part. Can you say that with me? God has a plan and you have a part. Say it again, God has a plan and you have a part. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message today will land on good soil. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will drink deep of the waters, Lord God, that you have prepared. In Jesus' name we pray, amen Amen. and amen. Number one, the administrative leader. 
Now listen, we're going to be all over the place today when it comes to Scripture. And so feel free to try and to keep up if you want to. But also, uh, there's no shame in taking out your phone and grabbing, you know, a, a screenshot of this if you want to, because that might be better for those who are note takers. But we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. It says this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has, a, has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of gifts. Do you see that word administrating? See that? And so here we are. We have, there's individual parts. God has a plan. You have a part. And then there's that word administrating. Administrating. And that Greek word is kubernetes. And Kubernetes is fascinating, and I had to practice that a few times, so don't be impressed. <clears throat> I was nervous I wasn't going to get it out right now, praise God. It's fascinating because that word is interchangeable with the word leadership. It means the ability to lead others, the ability to galvanize others, the ability to create a plan and guide others through it. Notice when Paul gives us another list of the gifts of the Spirit found in Romans, what he says. Romans 12, verse 6, it says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of you. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. Uh, then, uh, to enc then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generous. If it is to lead, and there's that word again. Then do it. Do what? Kubernetes. Lead. Kubernetes diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So administration and leadership go hand in hand. It carries the concept of organizational or administrational leadership. It was used when describing the captain of a ship. One scholar said that a Kubernetes was an expert in the midst of the storm. You see. It's this divine enablement to organize, to direct, to implement, to help others accomplish their goals. And you who have this, maybe you're starting to resonate with some of that. Maybe, maybe as I'm talking about organization and systems and, and you like to say, hey, this is going to be step one and this is going to be step two and this is going to be step three. Maybe some of you have counted that more of a personality type. Right? Or a propensity to systems, logistics, planning, duplicatable scaling. But actually, this is a gift more than it is just a personality. It is supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit. It is a grace-infused gift. So how, how do I know if I've been given this gift? Well, sometimes you can identify a gift by your frustrations. See, do you feel frustrated when an organization isn't as organized as you know it could be? Do you feel frustrated when a vision is communicated, but no one has outlined the steps to see that vision come to fruition? When there's an expectation, give, an expectation given, but no strategy? Don't you love that? Maybe you feel frustrated when people are scattered, all trying to achieve something, and they're doing it in their own way, but there's no one rallying them towards a collective goal and inspiring them not just to meet the goal, but even to exceed it. Or maybe when, when, you're, in, when you're in a meeting and you see no one's taking notes, like, is anybody getting this down? Do you feel frustrated when somebody is retelling a story but missing the important details, right? These are just a few. 
And if you said yes to all of them, one of them, right, then maybe the Lord has gifted you with administrative leadership. And you need to know that you are so needed and often underappreciated. But God has a plan and you have a part. God has a plan and you have a part. Let's look at Nehemiah for a second. When Nehemiah opens up, it opens up in a Persian city called Susa. This is before Nehemiah travels to Israel. And he is going to lead the third and last wave of returns by the Jewish people following the exile of Babylon. They were exiled for seven years. And under Nehemiah's leadership, they are going to reconstruct uh, and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, which is Judah's capital. And this was incredibly important for God's people because that wall around the capital, capital signified protection, right? And it, signified, uh, uh, and it signified importance to the rest of the world. And, and that city, which you need to understand, was really to show that it was a city that was set apart to be holy, and so for him, this work was not merely physical, but it was generational. It wasn't just physical, but it was generational. Something that would last and, and could be duplicated, you see. And this is a really big deal for an administrator. Because what Nehemiah did for the Jewish people led to spiritual revival. It led to a political and, re and religious restoration and ultimately it reclaimed a love for God because somebody had the gift of administration. People were saved. Wow. Look at this in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1. He, he, and he hears, and he, he's, he, he's serving the Lord, I mean, serving a king. And he says, I was serving the king his wine and I had never been, uh, uh, and I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. See, he saw, he, he saw all of this destruction around him. The king asked him, well, how can I help you? With prayer to God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone. See, he had a plan. The king agreed to my request. Also, I said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province of west of the Euphrates River, um, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to, to Judea. You could tell he's thought this through. And please give me letters addressed to Aspha, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make the beams of the gates for the temple of the fortress, for the city of the walls, and for the house for, and, and for a house for my Himself. He wanted to make sure he had somewhere to lay his head, right? The king granted him these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me, he says. So you see, here's a detailed out strategy, and he gives it to the king, and his details made the king confident in the plan. And so the king sent him. Also, notice that Nehemiah recognizes that the green light that he was given from the king was because the Lord's hand was upon his life. And this is administrational leadership. 
having the Lord's hand upon your life to lead, to guide, to plan, to strategize. So then in verses 17 and 18, we see this. It says, then I gave them the report. He's talking to the people now that, that he says, well, I, need to, I need to rally them around so we can build this thing. He says, let's, he says I'm going to give them the report. He says, let's face it. We're in a bad way here. Jerusalem is a wreck. Its gates are burned up. Come, let's, let's build the walls of Jerusalem and not live with this disgrace any longer. I told them how God's hand was upon me and how the king supported me. They said, we're with you. Let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves ready for the good work. Here we see him with the God-given, grace-infused gift to galvanize people together and to make a plan turn into a reality. And then if you go into chapter 3, you see that it describes every single little detail of building this thing. It describes every person, what that person will put their hand on to do, what the resources and the materials that that person will use, and so on and so forth. Every minute detail. And you have to ask, why is this in the Bible? Like, how did chapter 3 make it in the Bible? Because there are people who God has gifted that care very much about the specifics. So that way you might see yourself in the story of God. That way you might think and strategize and mobilize people. When you do that, you know that that is God using you, being glorified through your gift. If this resonates with any of you at all, you need to allow him to express his character through this gift, through you to his body and for the spreading of the gospel. Otherwise... You'll either use and abuse the gift for your glory or bury it and never know the exciting life that God has for you. And you will just exist, but you won't live. But you won't live. Now, I praise God because this list, this gifted list does not stop there. Often we look at platform gifts and act as though those are the exhausted list of God when it comes to the gifts that his spirit wants to give. And when we do that, we will end up with discouraged followers of Jesus, thinking that they do not have a place in the body. And what we will end up having is a gifted uh, majority watching a gifted minority. We will cheer them on. We'll follow their ministries. We'll pay to go hear them at conferences and preach. And then we will think by virtue that everyone else are spiritual nobodies with no substance or nothing to contribute. But let me just say that that could be farthest from the truth. Recently, I was on an airplane a couple of weekends ago, just really quickly uh, to go down to um, Southern California, and you know, you're sitting there, and these these chairs, bless the Lord, um, you know, you kind of got to hold in your breath. Well, some of us, we got to kind of hold in our breath, you know what I mean, just to kind of squeeze in to a few of them. I don't know who they had in mind. They didn't take my measurements when making this plane. Let me tell you that right now. So I'm sitting there in the plane, and you know, once you get in, you're in. You know what I mean? And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, my cell phone drops. The devil is, I said, get behind, not today. The devil drops. I mean, the, the, my cell phone drops. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then the person next, sitting next to me without hesitation says, oh, let me help. You know, 
And I'm like, yeah, you skinny self can get down there and praise the Lord. Uh, I guess the Lord does have something for everybody, praise Jesus. Cause, and so he gets down, he grabs my phone, and I couldn't be. And he was just so helpful. He was so helpful. I mean, and he did not hesitate. He did not hesitate to serve. He did not hesitate to serve. See, this is important because the body doesn't just need those who are gifted with administrative leadership, but also those with number two, helpful servers. Helpful servers. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 again. Now you are the body of Christ and, and individually members of it or parts of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of gifts. There's that word, helping. 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 Just like the word administrative and leadership, helping actually works hand in hand with another word that we'll see in Romans 12. The same exact word, just expressed differently. Romans 12, verse 6. We all have different gifts according to the grace each given, uh, to, each given to us. If your gift is prophesy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. Do you see that? If it is serving, then serve. Helping and serving. Helping and serving. Helping and serving. Someone say helping and serving. Helping and serving. It's the same word. It, it's, it, it's where we get the root word for deacon or ministry from. It means to relieve, to, to serve, to support. This is the gift of serving. This is the gift of serving. And let me just say this, before you begin to judge, before you begin to look down, before you begin to scoff, before you begin to think, well, I think I'm better than that, that I'm called to do something greater than that, that I'm, let me just remind you that once again in 1 Corinthians 12, 22, it says this, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually most necessary. <laughs> well, 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 right? So before those of us that get to come up here and worship and get to come up here and lead announcements and get to come up here and, and preach and teach, go and get handed our coffee in the back of our mind, think, well, I'll never do that. Shame. Shame. Right? Or for those of you that sit comfortably in your chair, but you're a parent and you get to go and you get to drop your kids off to kids' men, and in the back of your mind, you might see somebody there and, 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 may, and maybe they're struggling a little bit with trying to get the, the you know, the, the little, uh, what is that, stroller thing in, and maybe it's stuck or something, and they have five, you know, baby bags, and, and all sorts of things are happening, and, but you're not going to help because you're busy. You want to make sure you get your chair because that's beneath you. Well, let me just remind you, that some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually most necessary. Now, I know we tend to celebrate and give honor to the most visible, the most platform gifts, but most of the time it is the unseen gifts and unsung people who push the mission of the kingdom of God forward. Yes. Just this morning, just this morning, just today, we have people like Reg. It was not his, he was not on the schedule to serve today. This was not his serve day. He already served. He just got through serving two Sundays. But because of unforeseen circumstances, we had to get a U-Haul this morning to be picked up and no one could. And so Reg was called. And what was supposed to be a day where he gets to come in and just sit on the chair and rest and be able to, to just uh, be able to feed off of the word of God. Instead, he woke up at 530 in the morning so he could get ready this morning unplanned. But he said yes. 
so he could go to get a U-Haul so that way all of these things can be brought so that way you can hear the word of God this morning. You see, my goodness. This person does not sit idly by. They enjoy helping others. They delight in knowing that they assisted in executing a plan. They are not easily burned out. They are always looking for ways that they can come alongside. They're all about seeing God's plan worked out for God's glory. They have a can-do attitude. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They are energized by making a difference. No task is too small. They will naturally gravitate to supporting roles. They want to support any way that they can. In the book of Exodus, Moses receives commands from God, and part of those commands is to build a tabernacle. And so seven chapters Moses records on how this tabernacle is to be built. And Moses gives measurements. He gets down to the color uh, of every aspect of the tabernacle, gives down to the type of flatware and candles, what the carving should be like, what the materials should be like. God is giving Moses all of these intricate details, and Moses is doing a great job at writing out the plan. He did a great job of administrating the plan for the tabernacle. But I'm sure while he's up on that mountain in the presence of God writing these things down, he's probably sweating a little bit because he's like, how in the world? are we going to get this done? There is a lot of work to do, but this is important because there needs to be a place and a space where people can come into the presence of God, where they can know the grace and the love and the mercy, where they can know the truths of the gospel. There's a lot of work because there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain and people are lost, but how are we going to do this? I'm sure as he's writing this down, he's thinking, what in the world are we going to do? But praise God that Moses wasn't the only person that God supernaturally anointed and empowered for to flesh out this vision because in Exodus chapter 31 it says this then the Lord said to Moses see I have chosen Bezel son of Uri the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah and I have filled him with the spirit for what to prophesy and heal oh it doesn't say that are you sure does your Bible say that oh it doesn't say that it doesn't, to travel around the world and preach on television does it say that Oh, it doesn't say that? Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. No, it says, it says, filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. To what? To make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze. Oh, if we have any artists in the room, come on. To cut and to set stone, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Pinterest. See, Bazel wasn't the one that would likely get up in front of the crowd and inspire engagement, but he was a craftsman. He was an executor. And it was because of his serve that thousands of people were able to experience the presence of God in the tabernacle. He reminds me very much of two people that I work closely with, Manny and Veronica.
For those of you who know that we started groups a few weeks ago and you saw these huge group A-frame boards. This is the first Sunday we don't have them up. Uh, but you saw the last few weeks we had these huge A-frame boards and that was Manny getting out the saw and paint and buckets and brushes and sawdust and glasses and, and he made those so that way you could have a place and a space to sign up so you could come into a community to sharpen one another, to confess each other's sins, to grow together, to love one another. You have Veronica and Veronica does great things. She actually Actually, yes, praise the Lord. She, she helps organize and executes all of the team nights that we have. When you see decorations around this church, when you see photo booths, that is all Veronica and the team that she leads. <laughs> Acts chapter 6 verse 2 says, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. What he meant by that is this, is that we don't have time to do both. There's no way. There's people that are hungry, and there's people that are physically hungry, and there's people that are spiritually hungry. God has called us to study his word, which takes time, to then minister that word, which takes time, to then go to the lost and, and give them the gospel that, that takes time. But there's also people that are hungry that need to, to be, that need to be physically fed. So he says, so, brothers and sisters, select seven men who are respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. See, full of the spirit and wisdom. For what? We will give them this responsibility to do what? To feed people? Yeah. Yes, literally to help feed people. Yes. Right? Do you see that? Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. So then you had Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip. Prochorus. I'm, I'm going to mess these up. You guys ready? Okay. <laughs> you have, you have uh, Timon, I think it is. Parnassus. And Nicholas of Antioch to the Jewish faith. These, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Do you see what happened? See, because what they did was they decided, okay, listen, we're going to, how can we help? We'll do whatever you need, whatever the task, let's just execute. They said, listen, here's people, they're hungry. We need to figure out who's going to make the bread, how, how, who needs what kind of bread, how much is going to be needed, who's going to pass us out. Can you seven do this? And they executed it. They got it done. They went up, they rolled up their sleeves and said, we'll serve bread. And they started to serve bread. And because they serve bread, look what it says. It says, the number of believers greatly increased. People began to give their heart to Jesus because of it. Do you see that? What's fascinating, one of these seven, Stephen, his life becomes a catalyst for the next phase of revival in, the, in chapter seven. Another Philip who broke the cultural barriers bringing the gospel to Samaria. We all bring something to the table and as a result, lives are transformed and the gospel is spread and Jesus Christ is glorified. Why? Because God has a plan and you have a part. The question is, Will you say yes? Will you live and not just exist? Will you say yes? Will you live and not just exist? See, because here's the reality. The reality is, is that every single person, every single Christian is called to serve. Okay, nobody said nothing there. Real quiet. You know. Every single credit. Ooh, I thought I would have to not serve because you're talking about the gift. Of I guess that's not my gift. God did not give me the gift to serve. Every single person is called to serve. 
In fact, the life of a Christian, person who has Christ on display in their life, is someone who is serving. Who is serving. See, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. What for? So we can help each other. Serve and help. Serve and help. 1 Peter 4, 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them to serve one another. Help and serve. Help and serve. It's fitting that we have communion today because actually one of the greatest areas that the scripture shows us that we're all called to serve is at the Last Supper. And so here's Jesus, and, and he's getting ready to have this last supper, and they're, and they're about to, to take the bread, and they're about to take the juice, and all of this stuff, and they're, they're, they're doing this. And, and then the Bible says that uh, Jesus gets up, and he stands up. And what you have to understand, and this is, this is the last night that he's going to have with his disciples, all right? This is the last night that he's going to have with his leadership team. All right? This is the last night that he's going to have with the group of people that he is calling to go and to influence the world, to lead his church. This is the last night. And so he stands up, and they know that they're, that, that they're, that they're about to get something gold right now. This is going to be his last lesson. The professor is teaching his last lesson. This is what's happening. It's the last time that they're gathered together, and Jesus stands up, and the Bible says that then he kneels down and washes feet. He says, let me just show you, if you don't learn anything from all these years being with me, learn this. Let this be the last image in your head of what I'm calling you to do. What does a Christian life look like? What does a leader look like? What does an influencer look like? What does somebody that wants to make a difference look like? Washing someone else's feet. Wow. This is what it looks like to wash feet. This is it. This is it. To love others well. And see, when we see Jesus Christ washing feet, When we see Jesus Christ serving others, it should ignite us to serve. And we serve well because we've been served well. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. The God of this universe, the King of majesty, did not come to be served, but to serve. He came in the form of a servant, and write this down, when God came in the form of a servant, he wasn't disguising who God is, but revealing him. See, when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he wasn't disguising who God is, but revealing him. And I believe there are two types of people in this room right now. Two types of people in this room. The first person is somebody who is gifted, and maybe they don't know their gift, or maybe they do, but either way, they're not utilizing it. You're existing, but you're not living. 
Oh, you're existing. You're existing. You're getting up. You're going to work. You're paying the bills. You're, you're existing. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to figure out how to get groceries on the table. You're trying to figure out how to meet deadlines. You're existing. You're trying to raise the kids and brush their hair and brush their teeth and yell them to get ready and hurry up. You're existing. Getting the brakes on your car done and, and having to change flat tires. You're existing. But you're not living. There's not a meaning and a purpose and a mission and a vision. You're not living on mission. The second group of people is this, is that maybe you are already connected here at Inspire and you're like, actually, I am serving, but I don't know that I'm using my gift. I don't know how to use my gift in this service. And I'd love to know more about how to do that. I'd love to, I love where I'm serving. I love the team I'm on, but I really love to know on that team, can, how can I find ways and spaces where I can utilize this gift that God has given me? And so what we have is just, is just a simple response before we do this is there's a QR code on the screen. And if you're any of those two people, if you're any of those two people, I'd love for you to get out your phone right now. And would you just go ahead and point that camera to the QR code? And basically, it's just going to open up a PDF for you to look at at another time, for you to be able to get more information on how you can utilize your gifts how you can get plugged in to the body of Christ. Because you have to remember that God has a plan and you have a part. And your gift, your part, is not to just come on a Sunday morning, get your word, check off your checklist, and say, did it, gone. No wonder you're struggling with joy. No wonder you struggle to pretend and perform and you're always having to build a case in front of people that you're worth it, that you're good, you're good at your job, you know what you're doing, you're a good husband, you're a good neighbor, you're a good parent, you're a good wife, you're a good employer, you're a good employee, you're, you're building this case. And, and, and then all of a sudden Satan comes in as the accuser and begins to accuse you with this narrative in your mind and looks at you and says sinner and looks at you and says you should be filled of shame and regret but you need to know that you have an advocate called the Holy Spirit that comes in and stops the accuser. And when the accuser looks at you and says, sinner, the Holy Spirit looks at you and says, saved. When the, when the accuser comes in to accuse you and says, look at this person, they should be filled with shame. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, no, look at them. They have been redeemed. For some of you, maybe you're on a team and you've lost your way. What was once delight has now become duty because you are here going through the motions but not living on mission. If any of this is you, I'd love the opportunity to connect with you, to get to know you, to guide you, to talk with you. And so that's what this QR code is for. We'll have one out in the foyer as well. As we get ready and as our hosts get ready to go into communion, um, let me just say this. The beautiful thing about coming up and taking the cup and taking the bread is that when we partake in communion, what we are doing is we are saying we are putting our trust in the one who came to serve and then told us to go and do likewise.
to go and do likewise. That's what he told the disciples. He says, I'm washing feet, and now I want you to go and wash feet. I'm serving you, and now I want you to serve others. Why? Because your life is not just about you. My life is not just about me. We are all called to something greater. We are all called to help other people through the power of the Holy Spirit experience transformation and love and forgiveness and grace and excitement and joy, you see, and joy. Would you stand to your feet? We have a table up here in the front. We also have one in the back. And in just a moment, um, we're going to dismiss you, or not dismiss you, but invite you to come and to uh, take some of the emblem and bring it back to your seat. But before you do that, would you just begin, and the, and the, the team is going to begin to sing, would you just in your heart begin to take inventory of where you are. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to the narrative that you feel insignificant, unvalued, unseen, uncelebrated, unworthy. And maybe the Holy Spirit wants the, the, the truths of the gospel to, to flip the script in your heart on that. Maybe for some of you, you like, oh, I'd, I, would, I would love to serve, but the really, it's just a commitment thing and, and I don't have capacity and I don't have energy and I don't have time. And, and really what it is, is you have your priorities mixed up. You see. But as they begin to worship right now and as they begin to lift up their voices and would you lift up your hearts and minds into the presence of God and just begin to process through that. And maybe even take this time to repent, to ask God to forgive us of idolatry, of times where we have ran and chased other things over him. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart, would you allow him to speak right now? Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, because we do this now, pointing back to what you've done, pointing presently to what you are doing, Look, pointing to the future and looking ahead of what will be and what you will be doing and knowing that one day we will not drink from the cup and we will not eat the bread because we will be sitting at a table with you in your presence when all things will be made right. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, and I pray that today, Lord Jesus, that each and every person here is stirred by your spirit to know and recognize that they have been gifted with a grace-infused divine gift from God and that you are calling them to use that for the building up and the edification of your body for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We love you guys. We hope you have an amazing week. Hey, thank you for tuning in. And if you'd like to continue to bless the ministry financially, please give at inspirechurches.com. Have a beautiful day.